Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to our show this week, Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome, welcome. Hey. Hello. So we got a great show for you coming up this week. We're going to be talking about a number of different things. And as a lot of the special events have been shut down again, we have to look for other stuff to cover, and we are getting a lot of material from your questions. So keep them coming in, one user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. It really helps us to put things together. This week's Tech Wednesday, which is going to be one of our segments, is Security on Devices. And if you haven't seen the article on that, go to TheAnswerPortland.com where you can read it. But right now, basically what's going on is the big game is coming up here, and everybody's buying televisions. It's a good time of year to do it. And we so we see. But you might be watching your television. However, is it watching you? So we're going to talk about that a little bit coming up here and dealing with that and what that may actually mean. So with that and with no further ado, let's dive into the news. Okay. Russian YouTuber creates a first retractable lightsaber. Yeah. So this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. For anybody I that, watched the video. Oh, yeah, yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, a lightsaber is a device from the Star Wars universe. It's basically a space sword that is hot and can cut through metal and everything else. And this is something that all of us that like Star Wars have had, where my dad used to call it an expensive flashlight with a tube. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah those, those toys were awesome. Yeah, and they're worth a lot of money about. now if you got the right one, so don't throw them away. And even in today's world for cosplay and everything else, you can buy Saber Forge and Kyberlite and all these other companies that make these very expensive flashlights with a tube. Now, they are more than that, and they're kind of cool, and the tech behind them has been improved greatly since the first round of them. But the idea of a real lightsaber is something that has been attempted in the past. The closest we ever got to it previously to this one was a pre-lightsaber. Now, Gretchen, you might remember what those are called. It's a proto-saber. A proto-saber, thank you. I can ah, think of the name. Okay. That they were able to build with this huge lithium-ion battery pack that actually put yeah. out more power than the electric cars do. And, you know, what could possibly go wrong if that short circuits, right? So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he, he was able to cut through stuff with it. It was cool. But, uh, yeah, he it worked. Yeah. yeah, it did work. I mean, I'm not and saying it And he said it, it was hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I have to be. But this one is a little bit different. The inventor is somebody named Alex Birkin. He's from Russia. And he has a YouTube channel called Alex Lab. Check this out. In fact, we'll throw it up on our social media. And he's created the first retractable lightsaber. It produces a plasma blade measuring over a meter, just a little over three feet in length, and can cut through metal. So it actually does work. Now, the runtime of it's pretty slim, and there's some other things that are being worked out. But I think instead of focusing on that, the fact that this is even a thing now, good or bad, is very interesting. (laughs) So we might be talking to him in a few weeks. I'm working on seeing if he'll come on the show here to talk about this. But it's really cool. And Gretchen, like you said, the video is worth checking out. Hmm. Automatic trash can is created. Yeah, so we get sent a lot of stuff to try out on the show. And the (laughs) idea is that they want us to talk about these items. And 90% of the time we don't. You know, this is not a platform to advertise things. But this was one of the cooler items. And I I just thought it was very interesting to see where they've gone with this. And the idea of a smart trash can. 
Does it mm. take itself out to the curb? It doesn't take itself out to the curb, but it does do everything else. So oh. basically it has the thing where you put your hand over it and it automatically opens the lid. That's nothing new, but it saves you the inconvenience of having to step on the pedal. And then, um, uh, you know, insert, oh, that's a big inconvenience here, right? Uh, yes. But the second part of it is that's kind of cool is when the bag fills up, it seals itself, removes the bag and kicks it to the side, drops in a new bag and reloads it. Hmm. Huh. So from that standpoint, it saves you having to do that trick. So maybe with the Alexa bot that's coming out, she could be there to catch the bag and she could take it out to the curb. Although I, I can get just a funny... imagine feeling that Alexa bot's like, no, yeah, I don't think, I don't so. think that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it could be done and save you that job. <laughs> I don't know. She just seems like she's smarter than that. Okay, autonomous robots prove to be better surgeons than humans. Interesting article on this. This is something that has come out. And using autonomous technology for surgery is something that has been researched over the past number of years, like 10 years, even beyond that, that is being implemented, but very slowly. But these devices do have their drawbacks. However, this one is being considered significantly better. It's called the Star Robot. It's performed numerous surgeries. It's totally autonomous, and, which means it doesn't work without human backup. So a lot of these other devices that they've been using for this is more like a remote surgery where the robot's doing the surgery, but a human doctor somewhere is running it. Hmm. And the term stands for the Smart Tissue Autonomous Robot Star. And it performs, it has performed a number of procedures. This is being tested out over at John Hopkins University. And I do <laughs> think that while this won't replace the good surgeon anytime soon, the idea of having this does have a lot of benefit. You can get surgeries performed in places that wouldn't have the expertise otherwise, and on and on, you know. So it, yeah. it, it's a yeah. good thing from it. It uses a machine learning tracking algorithm. And they did the first test of surgery on a on a pig, and the surgery was absolutely successful. So Ooh. that's kind of where this is headed. So again, we're they say that this is going to be the year of the robot, and it seems to be playing out. But in different places, again, where this could improve the quality of life, I can see where this type of technology could really, really advance this medical science. <laughs> FCC will force internet providers to create broadband nutrition labels to prevent surprise costs. You know, we get a lot of questions about this that come in, mm -hmm. actually more frustrations. I signed up for internet and it was supposed to be this, but then it's actually that. Yeah, and yeah that's I, no fun. I know I ran into this a few years ago when I was still living in Reno. I got fiber for the first time uh, at a place I moved into, which was really cool. And we get everything set up, and then the last question after it's installed, they ask me is, what would you like your meter rate to be? And I'm like, my what? You know, because we're used to unlimited internet. Oh, yeah, it's one, I think, terabyte a month or something is included, and anything over that costs more money. And we've seen a lot of the other internet providers starting to put these type of things in, but these kind of surprises is what this aims to address and prevent. Yeah, yeah. So the idea of the nutrition label that's on your food that's supposed to show everything that's in the product that you're buying so there's nothing in there that, that you don't know about. I'm not sure that's entirely accurate all of the time, but that is what it aims to do is a similar situation so that they have to disclose all the different pluses and minuses of the internet plan you're getting. And part of the reason why this is happening is 
when internet started out, especially high-speed internet, it was kind of a fun thing to have, but it drives so much of our world now. It's a necessity like any other utility. And they just want to have a situation here where we're on a level playing field. So I can see where this type of legislation is needed and will help to identify things so you don't get screwed. Privacy bill could severely limit targeted digital advertising. So a little bit of you can tell I sound I'm heartbroken over this idea. Yeah, I'm sure a lot. I'm sure a lot of people are. I mean, you know, it's just uh, things. So again, privacy is a bit of a thing of the past, especially on the internet. We've talked about that, and the idea here is that targeting and tracking what you do online brings in the ads that you get. And a majority of people don't like this. And to the extent that Facebook showed for the first time since they've been founded a loss in active daily users, and they're blaming it on the fact that Apple updated their operating system to prevent or reduce the tracking of what you do. Unless you opt in now, it doesn't work. So this is the same idea here that would be able to start to prevent or curtail tracking what you do online to be able to send you ads and do other things because you know this type of information is not just being used for that one and only purpose. We're going to be talking a little yeah. later in the show about privacy and tracking and all of these kind of things. And it is interesting to see how embedded this is in the devices that we have now. Boeing invests further $450 million in the air taxi startup launched by Google co-founder Larry Page to develop pilotless aircraft. So it's coming. We're going to get our air cars and jetpacks. I mean, this is something that uh, is being actually taken very seriously, like FAA and other organizations, that we are going to have people flying, which is somewhat scary, being that they can't drive a straight line in a lot of cases. Uh-huh. We're going to move to the air. Oh, boy, what could go wrong there? But mm. it is something that will relieve congestion. The city of Los Angeles wants to launch air cars. So this mm-hmm. type of technology is coming. We will see it pretty soon. We're actually probably going to see it debut this year. All right, well, this is User Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show coming up for you. We will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. And you know, we're kind of in a lull right now on the pop culture thing. With Omicron, some of the events that we're going to do are canceled again. There's some sign that we're going to be ramping back up. But in light with that, what we're doing is kind of what everybody else is and finding the new streaming stuff, stuff on television. And there's a lot of movies and series and different things coming out. And one of them that I know we've talked about in a little bit of detail, which we can go into a little bit more today, is the new Disney Plus series, Book of Boba Fett. And for anybody that hasn't heard of this, it's a Star Wars spinoff about the mercenary Boba Fett. So yeah. there seems yep. to be two schools of thought on it. Now, I admittedly have only seen the first two episodes, and um, I haven't watched beyond that. I'm being told that I definitely should. Now, I know both of you have. Mm-hmm. So let's start with your opinion on this. What do you think? Do you like it? Hate it? I like it. I, I, I have to admit that the first episode, I was a little lukewarm. And I think it might be because it felt 
not as cohesive for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but um, as each episode got further and further along, character development and the storyline got stronger, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen a lot of people on social media, well, complaining. Yeah, a lot of people are freaking out. But, you know, it's like if it doesn't go your way, then the thing we got to do is complain about it. And we have to realize that um, they're doing something fresh so that you don't necessarily know what's going to happen. Like right now I'm reading uh, one of the older uh, Boba Fett novels. Mm -hmm. And I think the author's name was Jeter or something like that. I, I, I still have it on the nightstand. I haven't finished reading it, but in that book, and this book is fairly old, so I'm, I'm, it's not a spoiler. Um, Dengar, the bounty hunter Dengar finds Boba Fett mm -hmm. and pulls him out of the pit or right. finds that's, him outside of it. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. And so it was a surprise when somebody else, you know, found him. Well, the thing is, is perhaps they want to give the audience a surprise. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, I, they're doing things differently. I, I kind of liked the new Tusken Raiders yeah. and they described them as a different tribe so that they're not all the same. They're not always these jerks in the desert who are always killing people. <laughs> yeah, well, you got that. You know. <laughs> you know, no, they're just kind of mean, but um, Boba Fett is still uh, a, a tough guy, and he's able to deal with their culture and their attitudes. Yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, we, we've got episodes, you know, we're at episode six, and, you know, it's it's oh. telling, it keeps telling the story. And, you know, episodes two and three, they're pushing back on, on you know, other families and crime lords in, in, on Tatooine. And it's starting to develop into, okay, where are they going with this? Yeah. This is interesting. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. Or that. Or and, that. And then there's, there's characters. Um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and mention it. Um, uh, Black. Kersantan. I can never say his name right. He's shown up. He was in a comic book. Yeah. I'd never seen him in anything like, you know, cartoons or uh, any of the live action. And now there he is. And boy, is he cool. Oh, my goodness. He's quite terrifying. Actually. Oh, yeah. I, 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 would, I really wish I could have like had a chance to talk to Peter Mayhew and see what he thought of this guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is a different kind of Wookiee, yes, you is. know. Um, well, we've got different kinds of Mandalorians. We've got yeah. different kinds of Wookiees. So, oh man, I remember that one look. Okay, you, you, you're. If you watch this, you got to look for that special look, that eyebrow raise. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, when Boba Fett lets him go, you get that look on his face. Like, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so, Bill, do you are you regretting not having seen any more episodes because you know that there is a badass Wookiee? In this, yeah, well, I think uh, I think now that's going to give me the encouragement to look at that. Now, I've been told by some very high up people that I should never attempt to cosplay a dark side Wookiee. Yes. So, and and I'm honoring well, that request. But is this a dark side Wookiee? No, no, he's no. a mercenary. All right. So, I think the background story was that he had been taken and put into gladiatorial games. Yes. Okay. So this this Wookiee's been through a lot. And he looks like, um, you know how Peter Mayhew was kind of, you know, he was tall and slender. Well, this guy looks like he's a linebacker. 
I but mean, he's really tall. He's big and burly, and 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 there's the scar that he got from Obi Wan Kenobi. Was yeah. that who he got it from? Yeah. Yeah, the scar over his eye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, goodness. he's got scars on his body if you look. So he's also so he's been like a, a mercenary, a bounty hunter, gladiator, yeah, pit fighter, uh, muscle. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's quite cool to see these things. Um, we've we've seen. Other huts, we've seen other Wookiees. Uh, haven't seen too many Empire um, Imperial forces in no. this one. Um, we've got more Jawas, more Tuscans. There's um, and then there's going to be a super cool surprise in the this latest episode mm-hmm. for those of you who are like Clone Wars fans and um, Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. There's a character. Oh God! Oh, yeah. he's, he's a great villain. A great villain, and he shows up for the first time as a solid, as a solid person. person. Yeah. Oh my goodness! It's quite cool. It's the end of the the end of the episode. So yeah, look and for they, that. That's way cool. Okay. <laughs> so now I will be uh, catching up on the on the show over the weekend. <laughs> we've also yeah. we've also got uh, you know a re a reappearance by uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. He shows up. He gets a new vehicle. Yeah, it's not a real practical vehicle, no, and I've seen people complain not. about that. But you know what? I kind of wonder, maybe this is the writers going, hey, there's a different path for him. Yeah. Maybe he's meant for something greater. I'm, I'm, I'm still rooting that he has the qualifications to be Mandalore. Uh, I think he does. And and in the past, in the other books, uh, you said Boba, Boba Fett? Fett was Mandalore. Yeah, and obviously Bo-Katan had been, quote, a sort of like Mandalore. Well, she was trying to, and I think the Empire put them down quite hard. Yeah. But <laughs> so, we don't know exactly the details right. of that. We have some vague ideas. But um, so I think our Mando might have a shot at becoming the Mandalore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's got the Darksaber. He has the Darksaber. Has- he did win it in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to defeat somebody else to keep it. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think it might be kind of fascinating. Yeah. Of course, they'd have to find out if living on the surface of Mandalore is still possible. Yeah. Because according to that one episode, I don't know if it is. Yeah. <laughs> so No, but it'll, it'll be interesting. So to be a Mandalorian, all I need is a jetpack and, and an exoskeleton? No, you just need armor. Oh, okay. You don't have to have a jetpack. All right. So but wouldn't it make you better? Because after watching uh, some oh, of these it, things, it seems like everybody wants one. Now, yeah, it, it, trust me, yeah, you, you'll want a jetpack. <laughs> well, I think everybody just would anyway, so, you know, there you are. But, mm-hmm. no, this sounds cool. I'm going to catch up on it, and then maybe we can talk a little bit more about this in a future episode. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to be coming back at you with a and a after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where you ask questions and we endeavor to give you answers. Got a lot of questions coming in. We've had a lot of material over the last couple of weeks, so this is the first time we've been able to circle back in a while, so we're going to try to get through a few of these. How do you send us your questions? I'm glad you asked. 503-766-6264 is the phone number. One User-Friendly on Facebook and Twitter or userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? 
Are they using robots to patrol the borders? Yeah, we've talked about 2022 being the year of the robots, and this seems to be holding true so far. And the Border Patrol is looking at using robotic dogs to start Mm. patrolling the border. So uh, this could be kind of interesting. There's a lot of area down there that is unsafe and difficult to get to and whatnot. So the idea of having something using technology to be able to augment that makes a lot of sense. This also would be something that's non-lethal, which is kind of nice for everybody involved and Mm. uh, could benefit, you know, I think having that over this philosophy that seems to be in place now. Can I leave a voicemail without ringing the phone of the person I'm calling? Yeah, I actually talked to the listener that asked this question to try and uh, see where she was coming from with it. And the short answer to this is yes, for cell phones, for the most part. So what happens is, is most cell phone carriers have a generic number that you can call to get your voicemail. And this number will be different for the provider you're on. So T-Mobile would have one number, AT&T would have another, that type of a thing. And through those systems, if you know how to do it, you can put in the mailbox number or the phone number of the subscriber that you want to leave a message for. So when you do that, basically, it goes straight to his or her voicemail. It doesn't ring their phone. So all of a sudden, the message just shows up as a message on their phone. And where this is really being abused is by these uh, robot callers, telemarketers, and all of that kind of thing. (laughs) When they're starting to figure this out and leave messages without ringing the phone, and then you just get this random message. (laughs) You know, I'm really getting sick of them. Yeah, well, the whole world is, and they're uh, changing the laws on it, but that's a whole other topic. Does Tesla Autodrive do a California rolling stop? Yeah, again, interesting question. When I saw Dr. Alistair <laughs> that asked it, and he was has a Tesla, and he says he's had this happen. So we did a little bit of research on it, and in fact, this is a situation. There Now, Tesla's not calling it this. Of course. They or maybe having, they're calling it a cop stop. A cop stop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a situation where the car slows down at a stop sign but doesn't stop and just moves on. So, Mm-mm. and like I say, they're recalling these cars to fix it. Uh, there's no detail on exactly what's going on or why this is happening. But nevertheless, yes, it is true that this is ha- a problem. And it's something that appears to at least be being addressed. That's fascinating. How come they didn't do the, um, uh, just an over, over the air update? Well, you know, maybe it's a sensor problem that's causing it or something. And if it was a software problem, I think that they would have handled it that way. That so makes there, sense. There might be something else going on where something's malfunctioning or dirty or whatever. But the thing of it is, is even with auto drive under most jurisdictions, if the car screws up and breaks the law, you still get fined for it. Yeah. So the cop's not going to fine Tesla because their auto drive blew the stop sign. So it is something you want to be careful <laughs> of. <laughs> Can AIs program themselves? Yeah, interesting thing, and there's a number of schools of thought on this. The answer is yes for certain ones. Yeah, you know, what could possibly go wrong, right? Mm, Yes. Mm, Maybe. I don't know. Case study on this is uh, DeepMind, which is an AI that uh, is being developed and has been developed and does a lot of different things and tests some of these functions and is able to code at the level of an intermediary programmer. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that can be done. Now, the concern of this is if an AI can change their software, 
could this become a problem and enter the many sci-fi movies that have explored this idea and would tend to say yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It doesn't seem like it's a big deal, at least right now, but it'll be interesting to see the direction this goes. A while back, Microsoft debuted an AI that had some of the early version of auto-programming where it could change its own code. And by the end of the first day, it became this enormously racist, obnoxious <laughs> yeah, I remember that situation. One. They had to shut it down because it was just really bad. <laughs> oh, So oh, if dear. you're going to allow something to be autonomous, you also have to be prepared that it can go in a direction that you might not expect. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you expose it to the Internet, that's going to happen. Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing, too, you know, and it's the sum more than the whole of the parts. And in a lot of these cases, it seems like the answer is yes. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We're going to dive a little deeper into this week's Tech Wednesday. And for anybody that doesn't know about Tech Wednesday, check it out every week or so. We do an article on what's new in technology, something you can read at your convenience. Check it out on our website, userfriendlyshow.com or theanswerportland.com. And this week, we are talking about data collection, specifically in smart TVs. So right mm. now is the time of year that a lot of people are replacing their television to watch the Super Bowl coming up here in about two weeks now. And uh, this is very much a common thing to do. But what do you need to know beyond telling the company where you're going to buy your television what size you want and where to have it delivered? And there are some things to be concerned about here. <laughs> well, yes. Is it smart? Is it smart? And most televisions now are smart one way or the other. So the smart TV side of it definitely is something that you want to make sure it's the kind of smart TV you want. And the built-in ability to do this can vary from manufacturer to manufacturer. So it's something to dig into and check out. But one thing that they all are starting to do in common is including something. Hey, Gretchen, I've got a new acronym for you, ACR. Uh, is it, <laughs> it, 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 does it make the TV nosy? Well, let's see. It stands for Automatic Content Recognition. Yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what this technology does is it attempts to identify every show you play, whether it's from cable, over the air, streaming services, DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever the case may be, and transmit the data somewhere, oh, usually geez. to the TV maker. Okay, um, that is really nosy. I, I'd say uh, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of people tend to agree with you. Vizio got in trouble for this a couple of years ago, back in 2017, when they were putting this technology in their stuff and didn't tell everybody, or anybody really for that matter. Mm -hmm. as, soon as, as soon as regulators found out about it, a uh, collection of data without users' knowledge or consent, they went to court and um, ended up paying out $2.2 million which for a big company really isn't that much. But the bottom line of it is, is this technology is in pretty much any television you would buy at this point. So the hmm. study that I'm going to be talking about here was done by Consumer Reports last year. And the first thing of it is, is that you can't completely turn this off in most televisions. But there is a direction you can go to shut it down more or less. 
And every manufacturer has a different method of doing this. So what we're going to do in this next week's Tech Wednesday article is put the instructions there so you can go on and check it out. But this goes beyond just the television. It's in your streaming media sticks, so like your Fire TV, your PlayStation, all that kind of stuff, your Rokio. Um, again, the idea of sending things back, in a lot of cases, they're finding out that the televisions are sending information back to Netflix, whether or not you have the Netflix app installed. Ew, weird. So, <laughs> yeah, that seems that seems a little intrusive. So, yeah. So, again, according to the study, the only way that you can completely shut this off would be to not connect your television to the internet. But, of course, if you don't connect the television to the internet, you don't have the smart television features. So, that kind of creates a problem. Yeah. Or you can go through and shut down as much of it as possible. And again, we'll put the instructions out there to do this. But the idea of this is that the information is going out for things like Nielsen ratings, but more to the point, internet-based ads and targeted advertising. Yeah, so, I, I need less. I need less advertising in my life. Yeah, <laughs> really, I do. A lot and of some people. of it is so stupid. I know. And some of it, you'll, you'll watch a commercial and you go, "Wow, I don't even know what that was for, or what they were even talking about." So if the advertisers are listening right now, yeah, you need to start making things that make sense. And you know? if, if the characters <laughs> in your ad make me hate your product or service, that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Like, no, it, I, do you, I think it, what is it? Progressive? Progressive. Oh, oh. the thing with, oh, they're turning their, you're, they're turning into their parents. Oh, I just yeah, hate that, that, one's kind those of, commercials. that one's kind of played out. I mean, you know, it just. Now, some of the ones they have are kind of fun, like the Angry Birds one. I think that's a little okay. Amazing. That one is funny, but that has nothing about turning into your parents. No, no. no. So it just, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know. So uh, okay, so you know, everything's called something different now. It seems like, yeah. and there's no different. There's no difference for that on this. So the way that you get in and modify these settings varies from device to device, and even what it's called varies from device to device. Oh, gee, really? So, and the other thing <laughs> of it is, if you do shut off what they're calling interest-based advertising. <laughs> it won't shut off the advertising completely. You'll still see ads. It just won't be targeted to you based on what you have done online, which in some cases can become really bad too. Oh yeah. If I've looked for one pair of socks online, I don't need the next three weeks of ads to be about socks. Yeah, I yeah. already found the socks and bought them. Yeah. I, I'm having that with a pair of shoes. <laughs> I, I'm just seeing shoes everywhere. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I noticed this across the board. I've noticed eBay's doing this. I search for something on eBay and I start getting actual emails that wow. pop up from their app or notifications that you searched on this product. So we found these other things that you should buy, you know. <laughs> and like, really? Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. It, it does get to a point. And you take this a step further. We're talking about televisions because that's kind of what's going on right now. But most of your devices do this as well. And yeah. certainly apps, if you're watching Netflix, you can be assured it's telling Netflix what you're watching and for how long and when you well, can. Well, well, that's okay. But uh, if I'm watching a DVD, Netflix should have nothing to do with it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that should have nothing. Because like on Netflix, I've noticed that um, it'll start to collect data as to the things that you like. And actually, some of that has actually made sense. Mm -hmm. I have tried some uh, shows out based upon that, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that was okay. Um, but to collect things that have nothing to do with their programming seems really intrusive. 
Yeah. You know, really so, cruddy. And this goes a step further. Like some of the televisions that use the Google TV stuff, this mm-hmm. is one example I'm picking on them, but it's across the board. When you set up your television, you have to accept their terms of service. The terms of service allow them to do this. If you don't accept the terms of service, you can't use the television, even not for streaming. It just won't function. So you can't That's even That's not opt cool. Out of it. So, but again, check out Tech Wednesday. We're going to put the instructions out there so that you can at least opt out of some of this, not all of it, as long as, along with some new, more details on this. And send us your questions. Please feel free. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Yeah. You know, it's fun sometimes just being able to talk about these things and go where it goes. So I do look forward <laughs> to hopefully getting back to some events. So on the schedule... I right miss now, wearing my costumes. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's something that's definitely being missed. Game Developers Conference is coming up in March, March 21st to 25th. We will be covering that. I don't know right now if we're going to be doing that virtually or in person. But one way or the other, we'll see what's coming up in the next year in games. There's also an expo on robotics and AI, which right now is still looking to go in Italy. So that one would certainly be virtual, but that looks like a fun one, too. The program for that looked like something straight out of Star Trek, too. Yeah, that was wow. (laughs) So anyway, and speaking of such things, on the show Big Bang Theory, if you watch that, you might remember Sheldon, the character Sheldon, having Uh a virtual presence unit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something he cobbled together. And something. he was so annoying with it. Yes, he, he definitely was. Well, guess what? These are a reality. <laughs> and there's mm-hmm. starting to be something that's out there in this era of COVID. It seems like there might be some place for this, but they're just as annoying. And what this is, is basically a robot that you can operate from a remote location and walk around and everything like that. They are kind of fun to freak people out with. I have to say, I got to try one once. but you're out there interacting with the world in this avatar and you're not actually there. Yeah. Um, the one I heard about was in Germany and it actually helped, um, a little boy who couldn't go to school because he had some kind of surgery surgery. Yeah. And so he had to stay home and this allowed for him to be able to participate in school. This one is really cool too, because the robot would sit in the classroom and he'd be running it from his remote location. But if he needed to raise his hand, it would raise its hand. If he needed to get attention, the eyes would flash. So there's some really cool things like that. And there's positive uses of this technology. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is interesting to see this coming into reality and seeing so much of what was just a few years ago, something that was a movie that is now a real thing. And a lot of this has to do with the ability to have global communications. So over-the-air stuff, you don't have to be plugged in anything as long as your battery can last long enough. You're able to send this out into the world and be able to interact with it. And I know when I got to play with one a little while ago, it was the same type of thing. I walked it into a grocery store, bought batteries, went to the check stand, and the poor checker was just staring at me. And I was talking like I was there, you know. Oh, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? I would have cool? liked to have seen a video of that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, no, that would have been fun. I'm sure that uh, 
somebody the somewhere was, yeah, enjoying the surveillance video of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, from that standpoint, it was interesting. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We're heading down a very different direction here. I think 10 years from now, a lot of the different robotic technologies and really straightforward interactive stuff are going to just be a part of life. So until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2022, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc., all rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc., or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.